Hey guys, welcome back to the Kind of an Expert podcast, the only podcast where the guest picks the topic of every single episode. My name is Corey Tyndall and I am your host. And this week I sat down with New York City comedian Matthew Broussard to talk about why people hate math. Um, I think most people listening to this podcast uh, hate math and Matt... 100% understands that, which is why he wanted to come on and talk about why people hate it and how it's not that scary. Um, and I even understand that this might sound intimidating or boring to a lot of the people listening, but I promise we made it fun. We talked about why people hate math, but what it's used for. Um, a lot of different studies that are out there. This is a podcast with a ton of random facts um, that are a lot of at least what math, Matt and I think is very fun. Um, and how we use it in a day to day, especially around how he thinks about uh, his comedy and how to make people laugh. So, anyone who's a math nerd, you're gonna love this episode. And anyone who's not a math nerd, uh, I think you'll also love this episode. I think you'll be able to dip your toe into uh, the nerdy side of uh, what Matt's comedy is. You can follow him at Monday Punday on Instagram and also go check out mondaypunday.com where he creates uh, these pun puzzles. Uh, they are drawings of something. You have to figure out what the pun is with those. So he's got over 500 on uh, the website. He's got an app for it. Go check that out. They're honestly a ton of fun. Um, and follow me as always at Corey T Comedy on all social media. And if you're in New York City, come check out Ope, a comedy show every single Thursday in the East Village at Ferns in the downstairs bar. Uh, Matt is going to be doing it in a few weeks. So make sure you check out um, the link in my bio to get tickets for that. With that, let's get into the episode. you study i studied psych and economics and so there's a lot of stat underlying both of those a lot of stat underlying both of those that was so i started like i started just psychology and then i was like this isn't applicable anywhere like it's fun i loved psych classes because it was all just like this study says that humans are dumb and this study says that humans are dumb but in this way and you're like wow humans are dumb this is great um so I was at first I tried to pair it with computer science, uh-huh. uh huh, like programming, do like uh, human design, like human factors, psychology, the most human and the least human thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. It was like how do we design an app? Like I helped design an app for Chrysler mm-hmm. to show people where like charging stations would be if they had an electronic vehicle. Uh, and then I learned that coding fucking sucks. So. I yeah. flipped over to economics because I was like, all right, math at least, like, did, I understand. Did you enjoy coding? Was there ever, no. like, a high? Okay. No. I hated it. I absolutely... Huh. It's coding. I feel like I'm a, a fairly, like... I, I'm i getting to be more confident. There's mm. one thing in my life where I'm like, I could never figure that out, and it's coding. Really? The only thing in my life where I like, no matter how many hours I put into this, I will never be able to figure this out. And it's coding. I don't know. I find math very adjacent to coding in terms of like the, the parts of my brain it lights up. Mm. And I find coding very similar to comedy, to writing jokes. Because yes. it's a lot of work. 
Yeah. A lot of tedious, frustrating work where you, you're sure you're right and then you are proven wrong. Yep. And then when it clicks, that there's that jump out of your chair moment. There's that yes. uh, uh, I am invincible kind of, you know, yeah. uh, Boris <laughs> yeah, from Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that th- those things... I, I, I've seen that there's a, a ton of overlap between math and coding. Like my favorite mathematician mm. on YouTube is a guy named Grant Sanderson. He does three blue, one brown. And he, he three said, blue, one brown. Yes. Okay. Be- best thing on the internet. What, it, what could, it's just math videos. It's just, okay. he goes interesting problems and, and kind of visualizes them in a way that hasn't been done yet. Mm. Uh, I, I could go into this, but like what we're dealing I with mean, is hey. math education, <laughs> wherever math is as a, you know, I'm not smart enough to understand where we are with math versus sure. where we should be or if we're ahead. Uh, I do understand that math education is something that's gravely behind right now. I oh, did yeah. work in math education a tiny bit. Um, like substitute teacher or like for, higher level? I worked for a, a, a nonprofit that was basically writing a computer game that would teach kids the math curriculum grades three through six or so. Yeah. It was really cool to be a part of, and I, I did the editing. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. When I say editing, I literally took the Russian translation and looked for <laughs> cultural mistranslations. I see. Yeah, right. so I had a very tedious job that I was very bad at. Wow, so they're stealing nuclear tech from us and we're stealing math <laughs> tech from them. That's. I feel like that's backwards. I feel like one of us should have both of those. There was a great example they gave us in the uh, like editing. They go, like, there was a problem being like, like Igor and his wife, and children share an apartment with Ivan and his wife and children. Yeah. And if they pay, you're like, well, first of all, American, you have to like, <laughs> like, well, American families don't typically share living spaces. Oh, so it was, yeah. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what do you say? Like, they, these two families have to pitch into the HOA board. Yeah, right. And you're like, <laughs> how do they split rent if one of them has, you know, three of the five rooms? Uh, right. But uh, Sanderson, so what they do is they kind of visualize things using like YouTube and, you know, they can create kind of moving 3D things that better right. show these problems. I think if you could visualize these problems better, then less people would be frustrated with math. Because yeah. right now, currently, math on a whiteboard with static pictures relies you to kind of play with these shapes and alter figures in your head. Not everyone can do that right. that easily, but once you've had someone show you a picture... And I've had that experience where I just look at one picture and then a problem that's mystified me for years yeah. just gets a lot easier. Yeah. And I think that differs via type of math, right? Mm-hmm. Like geometry, or, uh, geometry way easier when you can see what mm-hmm. you're talking about. Where like calculus, it didn't, they were like, you're finding the area underneath this curve. And I was like, that does not help me with whatever this formula right. is here. But then you see things like the Riemann sum, which is basically taking the area under the curve by taking thinner and thinner rectangles of it. Okay. Yes. You know, like make a yeah, little yeah, yeah. bar graph of it and then right. make them thinner and thinner. And theoretically, once you get thin enough, that should exactly be the area. That's the Riemann sum. Right. Uh, and that's the thing that, you know, I say it to you right now. If you don't, if you're not familiar with it, that's probably just just yeah. a bunch of frustrating words. But yeah. if you and if you show a picture of of getting getting smaller, it makes sense. But if you actually showed a a moving image, a, you know, a video yes. of that happening, um, that would be that would make sense to you. Yeah, yeah. I think you're 100 percent right in my with my experience with coding and math. I mm-hmm. do think they are linked, and I have the exact same problem with both of them. I can conceptualize it. I understand it conceptually perfectly, and I can memorize 
the syntax for mm-hmm. like if we're talking coding i can memorize the syntax i can memorize a formula i cannot put them together okay i don't understand why certain variables like even like if then statements fairly basic right. i understand that anything above that i'm like wait why does this go here with it but for if, loops if and you, for loops and yes with but if you were to ask me why or like to explain what an integral is i could do what you just did it's mm-hmm. the remont so yeah yeah it's the it's the area of the boxes and you just make them thinner and thinner until it gives you the area of the curve like i understand that completely mm-hmm. um i and just can you understand the formula why the formula gets there that's the part well, that's, that i that's the part that, that might be a hard up. question now, i think that's, that's <laughs> the fundamental theorem of calculus yeah yeah, yeah 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 so so i was in elementary school i have a very interesting relationship with math i feel like in elementary school i was nationally ranked for yeah. the math team like third grade that's incredible one one recess a month 12 and under wonder yeah yeah one re- under. yeah it's kind of downhill yeah. from there yeah um one recess a month i would go in and i would take math classes and i was like i mean there were twenty thousand kids that were like yeah i'll take math during recess um <laughs> i was in like the top 350 or something so mm-hmm. i wasn't like stupid stupid high up i had a friend that was like in the 50s or something like mm-hmm. that um I crushed it at math. I like passed out of every single math class. I was a grade ahead. Um, I was two grades ahead at one point in school. And what I realized with math, and it took me being an adult to realize exactly what this was, but I just slowly got worse compared to my peers at math. I didn't, I didn't keep getting better. As the math got harder, it got harder for me than it did for the other people in my class. And I realized, I think I'm... I'm good at recognizing patterns, but I'm not good at math. Hmm. So when math was basic, I could recognize if it was basic algebra, like, all right, well, it's uh, 9x plus 7 equals 18. Like, what's x? Mm-hmm. I would just kind of memorize like, oh, that's a pattern. You just you pull that over here. But as the formulas got longer, I couldn't memorize the pattern anymore because it was too much to memorize. Right. Does that make sense? Am I thinking about that in any sort of a logical way? It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I think pattern recognition is the whole. That's what the movie Pie. The movie Pie is a really good I don't movie. I think I ever saw it. It's good. It's a good thriller. Yeah. Okay. It's an exciting movie, but yeah. it talks about math is just pattern recognition. And I don't know. I don't know enough about math to say that's true or not true, but yeah. What a hot place to start the podcast. Like, yeah. This is on math, but I don't know enough about math to... Uh... <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't want to sound like I'm some... Because there's such incredible levels of understanding and intelligence. And I like... Oh, I know. As much as I love it and as much time I've spent with it, I know that I am a hobbyist relative to a you know math. any PhD student yeah. or, or someone working in the field. So what did you study? Applied math. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I would say I took... Um, if you were a full math major at a strong school, I probably learned 60% to maybe 70% of the math Okay, uh, you learned. Uh, if you went to a bad school, I might have learned all of it. Uh, but I did a lot of code. <laughs> so it was a lot of coding with the math. But, sure. So I got to take, I took all the calculus classes through multivariable, differential equations, partial differential equations. Okay. A lot of linear algebra. We kind of just kind of dug our heels into linear algebra, which is just the matrices, things you see like matrices, big sure. sets of numbers and how to massage those numbers to gr- create patterns and things like uh, compressing the file size of an image 
yeah. uh, finding optimal solutions for big big equations, multivariable equations. Uh, so those are those are the, the biggest things we learned. Um, I exciting think you stuff. just gave half the listeners a fucking panic attack with just that. Yeah, sense. they're like, what? <laughs> no, I mean, we'll boil it down. We, <laughs> we're yeah. not going to talk linear algebra the whole time <laughs> right, in the right. most scientific uh, in the most scientific way. I don't want them to turn off. And be like, I don't know. Those yeah. two fucking nerds are just deep. going after yeah, right. it. <laughs> But Matt, I liked it. Um, I was, it was hard. I went to a, a difficult school. I was, I was one of the worst students in my program. Sure. Um, for, for the sake of uh, effort and intelligence. That's how I rode through all my, I was, yeah. the, I was in B's, every honors class and I was the worst, cl- the yeah. worst kid in every honors class. Yeah. Where'd you go to school? <laughs> uh, for college, I mm-hmm. went to Michigan Tech. Okay. So engineering school. Um, I went up there to be a, a music producer, like a wow. sound engineer at first. And then I was like, that's a hobby. That's not. Yeah. So I'd switched uh, majors to something else that's a hobby. And uh, at least I was able to like, you know, throw the economics onto that. Be weird yeah. if I was like sound engineering and econ. Yes. To be like, really? What? <laughs> you sound like a practical guy. <laughs> I try to be. I like to have a plan B, mm-hmm. you know, oldest sibling. I like to I like to plan things out. It's like people that are just like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. I'm like, you're fucking crazy. Crazy. You're out of your goddamn mind with that attitude. Did your parents install that? Install that? Uh, No, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. It's just general anxiety, bossing my brothers around, seeing like my younger, youngest sibling, he doesn't plan shit. Mm -hmm. He's like, he did this thing during COVID where he tried to get back to Spain without like his work visa during COVID being registered. He got to Spain and they kicked him out. Wow. And he was just like, and then he had to spend four nights on my couch. And I want—I was looking at him going like, you're so lucky I fucking live here. Like, what were you going to do if what I didn't live in this do? city? <laughs> it's, it's not like he put it together like, oh, yeah, if they kick me out of Spain, I'll stay with Corey. Yeah. But like, that would have never happened to me. Never. So you're a planning guy. He's so much more fun than I am. Yeah. So much more likable. So much more fun. Those are the yeah. friends, right? The ones who really just oh, let shit fly. But then those are, those are friends that are going to have to like, yeah, you're going to get a call at 3 a.m. You're going to have to do them a favor. Uh-huh. They need yeah. us so much. I don't know where I fall on that spectrum. <laughs> I can. I think I'm a now that kind of person, but I did some stupid shit. I moved to L.A. with everything in my car with no job. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I did have a job. I, I planned on having a job. I just got fired. Oh, um, so I would say that was a lack of planning. When I started doing comedy, I started getting really reckless. Yeah. You know, to be fair, I didn't have a job until the day I graduated. I applied to one job and I got the offer the day I graduated college. I don't know what I was going to do. I mean, that's way more than a lot of people I know. Sure. I graduated no job. Uh, I was one day away from delivering pizzas before I ended up working for the Clinton campaign. Yeah. It was like, I I was hired. They were like, you start tomorrow with these pizzas. And wow. Okay. The, so similar. The campaign bro. was like, all right, drive down to Toledo today. And, and they, I was like, so I had to call them and be like, sorry guys, I'm out. What was that like, the campaign? Oh, that, that was crazy. I actually did a, um, a solo podcast on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's like episode 45. The listeners should go back and, and listen to that whole thing. Cause I, I like, I have so many fucking stories from it. Um, but it was math. a nightmare. Uh, no, it was all people skills. Okay. It kind of like, in a way it, it helped with comedy because it made me like, you couldn't be fearful at all. Mm-hmm. It's like of the general like public. Barking. So, oh my Especially God. With a figure like Hillary so good at barking. So hated. Oh my like God. Her name, her first name evokes hate. Yes. I had to, 
so like when I was going around trying to get voter registration, I couldn't say like, or like trying to get volunteers, I couldn't say, do you want to help Hillary? I had to say, do you want to help stop Donald Trump? Because everybody hated him. Wow. But they also hated her. Right. So if I could position it as like a, as a way to um, like position it so that they feel like they're not helping Hillary. They're like doing a greater good, which is stopping him. Then I could get them to volunteer. But it, it was like, it didn't help very much because they realized they were helping Hillary yes. after a little while. And they were like, the biggest thing that got it is everyone thought she was going to win. Yes. Like the media, the media putting Trump on their platform or whatever, like that wasn't good in terms of Hillary winning the, thing that hurt them the most was the media saying that hillary there was no way hillary was going to lose that's yes. what killed us and nobody talks about that it was like i had volunteers abandon me on election day because they were like yeah she's gonna win i don't know i'm tired this election's been long and I, I was really like thought, i was in okay. that boat yeah oh like, yeah called my mom congratulated her the day before I'm like we have our first female president in your <laughs> lifetime aren't you so excited and then even as the results uh, are coming, I'm like, yeah, he's not going to. I'm going to talk to someone on a plane. I'm like, don't worry. He's not going to win. Yeah. Oh, the arrogance of liberals. The arrogance. <laughs> the arrogance. My dad texted me because Ohio's numbers. I was in Ohio. I grew up in Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, Ohio's numbers came in first. And my dad texted me. He's like, what the fuck are you guys doing down in Ohio? And I was like, I knew we were going to lose. Like yeah. weeks before I knew we were going to lose Ohio. Really? Oh, yeah. Because the way they set everything up, and we can get into like the math and stats. Yeah, there we go. This, is uh all of their numbers were based off obama numbers from 2012 and they were like all right everybody who voted for obama should vote for hillary and so that's the only people we were talking to is these obama voters and in the inner city part of toledo they would all say yeah yeah, yeah. like except for the few it'd always be men they were like no i'm never voting for a woman what are you like are you wow. fucking crazy we got that all the time um but my territory was out in like in the sticks and the suburbs because they were like, oh, this pretty white boy. We'll put him mm -hmm. with the other like get him to talk to these people. That's that's his. He's suburban Midwestern. They're suburban Midwestern. And half of them were like, no, I fucking hate her. Like, why would I vote for her at all? And the only argument I had was like Donald Trump's about to put at least two, maybe three Supreme Court justices on the court. And I could pull a few over with that, but they were like, nah, she's a bitch, part of the deep state. Like these were Obama voters that were doing that. And so their numbers were so skewed. And so I was sitting there going like, man, like half of these Obama voters are voting for, aren't just not gonna vote or they're voting for Trump. Like mm -hmm. she's losing Ohio. What I didn't realize is that Michigan did it too. Like I didn't, I didn't have the perspective, the broader perspective on it. So when my dad was like, "What the fuck is Ohio doing?" I was like, "Oh, I knew we were gonna lose." And then two hours later, when Michigan started coming in, I was like, "What the fuck are you guys doing? Like, what, <laughs> what happened over here?" But it was like the same. My grandma was volunteering with Michigan, and she said the same, uh, the same thing, which is like everyone is like, "Nah, Hillary's gonna win. I don't need to do anything. Like, we're good. We're good." And they just didn't want to take the time. How did Biden win? I think Biden won because people took Trump seriously that time. Okay. I think that's the only reason. So he, it was more non-voters got out. Did Trump lose yeah. voters? No. Both, uh, the numbers for both sides were higher, actually. Wow. Um, but it was the, Demo like the Democrats weren't complacent 
in 2020 like they oh, were okay. in, in well, 16. Liberals like to be like, people saw how bad he was and stopped yeah. voting for him. Is that <laughs> not true at all? No. No, no, no. No. No, his numbers went up because the Republicans were like, oh, shit, like they're coming for us. They like battened down the hatches. Do you think Trump could win again? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be ignorant to say he couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people are, but I'm like, did you learn nothing from <laughs> six years ago? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Biden can't put two sentences together. Yeah. That's going right. to really turn off a lot of people. He's so old, and yeah. then it's so scary because liberals are going to get really cocky again and try to do something fancy and try to put someone forward who isn't that likable but is fresh and young and yeah. cool. And it's like, no, that's not really a winning strategy for us. No, no, you need they need a a moderate. The thing they have going for them right now is that the Republican House is completely in disarray. Yeah, that shit. They're shows. not going to get anything done. They're doing exactly like, what we did. Yeah, is they're they're because they lost. They're all pointing fingers mm-hmm. within their own ranks at who caused it, and then yep. it's just nothing but division. That's exactly what happened when Trump won. Like liberals, yeah, were like we need to go farther left, and they're like we need to go more moderate, yep. and then they were like, well, you're as bad as a Republican. Like, you're an extremist destroying our party, and it was. Oh, it's so great to just see that flip to the other side. I now. know, right? It's like, it's hey, so... you thought you were immune, you stupid fucks? This is... <laughs> <laughs> um, the the one question I've been having politically for my, uh, for my group chat is, it seems that no matter how outlandish a a Republican acts, they are still embraced. Yes. And this is within the national... Uh, representative ranks things people like Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor yep. Greene, Lauren Boebert were like, oh, they're too extreme. They won't, and then they've become figureheads for their party. Even even by yep. the party, Fox News loves them. They're not. Uh, and then now we have George Santos. I'm like, is he the first person to go too far? Because that's a hard mm-hmm. one to like stand behind. He's yeah. the most lying politician I've ever met, which is quite impressive to say. Yeah, ever met, met not met, witnessed. Right, at least within the national. I think if I'm going back to the first part of your statement, I don't know if those people have necessarily been embraced by the party as a whole in the national sense. When okay. you're when you're Maybe talking it's about liberals the vote, are making a big deal out of them. They well, I think that the moderate Republicans feel like they are the lesser of two evils, with the mm-hmm. greater evil being AOC and mm-hmm. Rashida Tlaib and the yes. progressive left. They would rather have the right the extreme right wing than the extreme left wing. Sure. Um, where I think moderate Democrats would be the opposite. I'd rather have the extreme left wing uh, like have a little bit of power than the extreme right wing. Mm-hmm. Um, George Santos is interesting. I don't know for sure. He is very hard to get behind, but I think they're going to write him as like a one-off. Like, oh, right. that's a crazy person. Right. Like, don't don't worry about him. But again, all the previous crazy people have become power players. It's true. Except for Her- Herschel Walker was also that first sign of like, oh, they won't put any Republican over any Democrat. Yes. And there were people, a lot of people who just, uh, there was great interviews going around Georgia, which is where my mom lives. They're like, oh, I think he's horribly unqualified, but I can't have uh, a, like a yeah, radical a ref, leftist. Raphael Warnock, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, like, so I'm going to vote for him. Yeah, they're like, people even be like, Raphael Warnock seems like a good guy, seems like an experienced politician who's good for the job, but I have to vote for a Republican yeah. because, you know, I'm a Republican. And they're like, and I, I understand what Herschel is. <laughs> um, so that was kind of the first sign of that. And yeah. Then, yeah. Um, I do think it's getting better. 
in terms like for the Democrats. I think I think people are until we becoming get cocky. less <laughs> right. People are becoming less angry at politics in general, which is what I think pushed them to the edges. However, never underestimate the liberals' ability to get cocky. Right. Which could totally underline we have become the upper oh. class party. It's so oh, yeah. ridiculous. The educated party. The educated. There's a lot of so there's a lot of stats if we're bringing it back talking mm -hmm. about how um, the Democrats are now the party of, you could say the party of the elite, but when you get to the elite elite, it's actually mostly still Republicans. Yes. The split became, are you college educated or not? Right. And one of the bigger issues with that is that, and I got this from the Plain English podcast, go check that out. It's one of the um, writers for The Atlantic. Mm -hmm. He's fucking awesome. It's my favorite podcast. He's talking about how- Plain English, yeah. Um, the we the Democrats have become the party of the educated, which has meant that they have become the party of women, because women are graduating college at a sixty-five percent clip, and men are graduating at like a thirty-five to forty percent clip. This was on Mar. I watched, yeah. I, I saw a taping of Mar. We went and see it live with my my mom. The guy who wrote the book uh, of Boys and Men, I think, was the yes. book. Yes, he have was on it? the he yeah. was on the podcast. So He's, I've like listened to him, but I haven't read the book. The stat was one of the most staggering stats was Bill Maher talked about going to college in the seventies, went to like Cornell or something like that, and he talked about how it was mostly men back then. Yeah, and and the guy who wrote the book said it's actually worse now for men than it was then for women in terms of the ratios. Yeah, the the differential between men and women is now more pronounced in the. Uh, yeah, I would say better direction historically. Well, yeah, but, uh, the more empathetic just, direction for sure. It's just crazy. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like why the the whole um, theory around like all oh, men aren't men anymore, like all this other mm -hmm. stuff, and it's like I think men are the same, but the people in power are more women. There's just more, not sense. at the top. Women are just not at the top. You look at CEOs, yeah. and they're all still men. But like, you look at all the media companies, and you go to their LinkedIn, it's all women. Yeah, there's I, there's no men. There's no men working at these companies anymore, and it's because men aren't graduating from these top tier Ivy League schools at the same rate. And if they are, they're becoming engineers or, and they're going in STEM. But like, mm -hmm. men generally don't graduate with liberal arts or journalism degrees. Mm -hmm women do and so they go into these media companies and that's who's like it's not the jews it's the women yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i went to uh two different schools in georgia i went to a, a public school in a very wealthy suburb one okay. of the best but one of the best like public schools we're talking high school or this was college? just eighth grade okay uh yeah and then i from there i went to a private school in atlanta that was very very wealthy and what i noticed kind of way later was that the one it was called uh dickerson middle school fed into walton that was the public one and it was an east cobb and it was the east cobb snobs oh they're sure. so rich with the yeah, rich yeah, yeah and then you realize they gave themselves that name and then you go see real wealth and they don't need to tell you they're snobs they no. don't need to show you off the brands they have the money yeah they're 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 wealthy in a less overt but way more significant way uh -huh. um and what I noticed was that the suburban upper middle class people were more outspokenly Republican, whereas my high school turned out to be more liberal than I ever realized, yeah. especially the women. When yes. I look now, my, my, my evidence is anecdotal, but I look at my Facebook now and the women were posting a lot of stuff about anti-Trump, pro-Hillary, yeah. pro-Biden, pro-Black pro -black Lives Matter, all these things. So that was really surprising to see that, yeah, because they were educated, out-ranked out, uh, uh, 
wealth or white. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you think about like Trump from uh, um, like he was anti school, he was moderately anti women, he was very anti other races. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at like an educated woman, they're like, yeah, those are what I am. Yeah. Like, how could I possibly vote for him? Where like you look at men, especially one of the other. Um, I was almost about to say fun stats that came out. It's not super fun. Um, Hispanics in uh, Florida and Texas, even Hispanic women were starting to flip towards Trump. Oh, big time. Yeah. Especially Cubans. Especially Cubans. Because they are terrified. The of, yeah. Yes, exactly. That was the monster under their bed. And so when they're like, when they're like, oh, that's a party. When the Democrats, that's a party of women. Mm-hmm. That's a party of uh the highly educated well i'm a man and i'm not highly educated and they want to tell me what Mm -hmm. to do with all of my money that i came over from cuba to get specifically like fuck them i'm voting for trump and it's all like i think it's more instinctual than we give it credit for right like a lot of talking heads want to like want to find like all these tiny little like they lose the forest through the trees mm-hmm. type thing where they find, well, all right, well, this person has this, this, this for a background. And like they had divorced parents and like they kissed a boy once in high school. And like, that's why they're liberal. Just and you're like, all the day yeah, and it's like, or, uh, or this message just resonated with who he feels like he is yeah. as a person. And you're like, oh yeah, people are pretty simple when it comes to that. Very simple. It's like, who would I rather hang out with, that person or that person? Or you see in comedy, like you just finish a show and you see which people walk up to which comics. Yes, I love that. And for me, it's a weird thing because I will have like really ninety-five percent women who want to talk about how handsome you are. <laughs> no, no. What I have is. Uh, I would say a good portion, and it was for a long time, of just like fratty white guys who were like, yeah, yeah. I get you, man. Yep. People think I'm a douchebag, too. I'm like, you might actually be. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. And then I get like, You're like no, sorry, nerdy. my major was applied math. Yeah. I'm actually a nerd. I I, yeah, I was like, I didn't, we didn't have fraternities. I would have been, I was terrible at drinking. And um, some of those people like resonate, and that's, that's cool. I don't know if I'd, fully aligned with them I mean like you kind of hope that you, not all of your comedy resonates with yeah. one person like it should should be kind of a mixed bag but uh, and then I get like some like Indian kid who was like a coder or like an Indian couple or Asian yeah. couple that was like doctors and like that and they they resonate with some part of it that feels really good I always yeah. feel like it's so fun when you can yes. connect with someone who doesn't have exactly the same background because when you see someone who looks like you go on stage you just like them more yeah it's just uh, it's it's so it's so simple. I remember the first comedy show I saw was like the Latin Kings of comedy. <laughs> Girl, I was dating took me to it, and I didn't resonate. And then when you yeah. see someone who like reminds, and then I saw Donald Glover, and he talked about going to a private school in Georgia. I'm like, yeah. ah, I, that one I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you also identify as a black man. I also identify so, as a black NYU kid who uh, has it was a SoundCloud rapper. Yes. Yeah, who's gonna win an EGOT? He, he will. <laughs> he will. Um, yeah. No, the first comic I was really into was Daniel Tosh. At the I time, love... I was like, oh, I just love Daniel Tosh. It's like, yeah, from your framing that you just said, it's like, oh, tall, straight, white man who's like goofy? Of course. And put together. I mean, that yeah. was the same thing for me. Where he didn't I was... seem slovenly. When I, I think we were somewhat similar in age, I, I thought comedy was either really funny black dudes, right? Yeah. Or 
which it really, is. They are the best. Well, they are the best. Um, <laughs> or it was all I saw on TV was Dave Attell and Jim Norton's. Yeah, that was all you would see when, or even like early Louis, where you're like, oh, you have to be disgust, and they would talk about how disgusting they were and how they yeah. ate poorly and they were poor, and I'm like, I don't really relate to that, and just kind of feel bad for them. And then I saw Tosh, and I was like. Holy shit, you can be all those things and funny. Yeah. You know who was a big revelation for me? John Mayer. John Mayer oh, would yeah? do bits. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. He's funny. He, he's funny. I mean, yeah, yes and no, but yeah. It's like, he the had bar some jokes is low. That were cool. The bar he's, was low. The bar is low. It's like Blake Griffin doing comedy. You're like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. All right, but, good for you, Blake. But <laughs> Mayer could own his arrogance and still be funny. I thought yes. that was really cool. Cause I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. For how big of a douchebag he is and he can pull it off there's hope for me yet yeah so those two and again like i feel some sense of kinship looking at them apparently both of them and uh, yeah it's it's the it's the political it's the beer test it's the political beer test to bring it full circle like yes. they figured out in the 90s like oh people want to vote for who they feel like they'd have a beer with mm -hmm. and comedy has gone that way it's not about like oh this is like people don't go to shows anymore to be like all right let's see what the weirdos are doing in mm -hmm. basements in new york anymore it's not entertainment it's like they want to they want to feel like they could be friends with that and so you've still got your bill burr who's one of the best and like mm -hmm. that's that's work like working class dudes are like i know nine dudes like him he's the funniest i would have a beer with he would be my best friend if we were if we were hanging out he would be my best friend and i think my new favorite development in comedy in that theory is what I'm calling the boy band comedian. Wow, well put. I've been thinking about this all morning. That would be like Matt Reif, like yep. the TikTok comedians. They're like 24, 25, beautiful dudes. Like just like Crazy. super attractive. They're fans God, of that our... was such a rare thing when I started comedy. Oh my, Dane Cook, I think, was the first one where like, like teenage girls were into him. Yeah. yeah, right. And he's not even objectively that attractive. Right. But like, you look at the TikTok but next comics. Next to Jim Norton, who was this yes. competition, next to Patrice. Right. Yeah. Right. And so now, like, you got like people like Way Matt Reif comedians. are selling out theaters and it's 16 to 23 year old girls that yeah. are the screaming like it's the beatles in the 60s yeah or like the fucking one direction or the jonas brothers or something like that Woo. and i was like that is fascinating that we fascinating. have like comedy has kind of followed it, the path of music in that way it breaks the kind of rules that i was taught were fundamental which is you can't you can't be above the crowd. You have to always be. Yes. Like I was, it, it was so hammered into me. The comedy is about failure and, and not self-deprecation is <laughs> too cheap of a word, but sure. vulnerability and, and sharing your weaknesses and shortcomings. And when I look at some of those boy band comedians, I'm like this makes me feel bad about myself because they're, they're so good looking and their life is so put together. Yeah. But girls don't feel that way. No, they want to fuck them. They want to fuck them. I, I, and I don't know what their fan bases look like, but perhaps they have it's, a more diverse well, fan base than that. I've seen I, their TikTok I, yeah. comments. So okay. it's like... <laughs> well, well it's, I'm, they, I'm abstaining from any uh, commentary on that for they the record. Do. But yeah. <laughs> Please book us, Matt. Yeah. Um, we'd love to open for you. Yeah, right. The, and Please. you're fucking... He's going to sell out the garden yeah, yeah. in a year. It's right. crazy. 
Um, no, I'm not trying to shit. I'm not trying to shit on him. I'm no, not right. the comedian. Statistically, that it's does. pulling out a new demographic it that is. was kind of not catered to. It's exactly it, right? Because their bits are like they. And tell, I had a chance to go after that demographic when I was 28 and on television you before I was working up. at social media. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> fucked it up, man. Now you're like, who's this dad guy who looks like my dad? No, trying to no, be no, hot. No, no. <laughs> no, see, your fans have money. The teenage girls don't that have is, money. That is a big motivating factor for me. This is going to, this is pretentious <laughs> to say, but like I started in Houston and one of the biggest benefits for me for studying in Houston it is one of the most educated cities in the country. It oh. has NASA. It has, it is the hub of all petrochemical engineering. You have yeah. mechanical, electrical engineering. You have Exxon energy Mobile's trading. down there. Yeah. yeah. Every, uh, Chevron. Uh, the, the, my friend works at Shell. Uh, they have all of them based there. Sure. Uh, and we have the world's biggest medical center by a factor of four. Jesus. Four times bigger. Baylor. Is it like the size um, of a college? UT, yeah. Like an entire college university? It's 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 just a neighborhood. It's just a sector oh, of town. Wow. Where it's just continuous uh, medical centers and colleges. God damn. I yeah. thought Ann Arbor was like big. <laughs> Much bigger. Because, yeah, I mean, it's it's multiple colleges all put there in the downtown area. It's just called Medical District. Um, and my crowds were typically very educated. So I got mm. to play to, when I was starting out, I got to kind of play that a bit more than I probably would have gotten away with in another city and yeah. when I take that other places sometimes those joke what four minutes on on medicine would bomb but right I there was a, a statistic I learned that made me very happy was that um, not to compare myself to Seinfeld but the first season of Seinfeld <laughs> didn't do amazing numbers based on yeah. just ratings alone it should have been canceled but you know the answer uh, is the wealthy people that liked it they could do they could put BMW commercials yeah that was it. They could sell a BMW because uh -huh. the people who were watching it were fewer in number but had the discretionary income to buy luxury goods. Yep. So I always thought about like if you chase that kind of act, which I'm still working on doing, like you might be able to sell $60 tickets. Yeah. You know, you might be able to sell three times right. as many $60 tickets rather than a bunch of $20 tickets. Right, right, tickets. right. That's a, did you notice the same thing happen in the World Cup? No. Did you watch any of the World Cup? A little bit. So... Actually, so, I watched the last seven minutes, and that's it. Hey, it was a great, great seven timing. minutes. It was great, a great seven <laughs> great minutes. Great seven minutes. Top tier seven minutes. Um, so they have, in soccer, since there's not nearly as many commercials, they have a lot more ads around the field. Mm -hmm. And that you've got those banners there. And I was watching with my friend, who, like, not a big soccer fan, didn't really know what was going on. And she was like, why, why are all those American companies? I thought half the world watch the world cup mm -hmm. and it wasn't just like tv commercials these were banners right. on the field that like everyone in the fucking world was seeing these banners it was for google for like exxon for like microsoft like all these american companies and i was like well one american is worth twenty thousand indian people when you talk about buying power yeah so it's like even though what if you just didn't say when you talk about buying power? No, no. I was like, I have to make sure <laughs> Cut that the I clip there. <laughs> just chop that right out. Yeah, American um, consumption is there's yes. nothing like it. And so it's like, all right, so 15 million people watched the World Cup final in America, mm -hmm. and a billion Indians watched it. But these companies have decided whether this is right or wrong. I'm not making a judgment stage, uh, a judgment statement on whether this is how things should be or not. Mm -hmm. This is just something that I noticed. They're willing to bet that an ad that's targeted to Americans is going to make them more money than an ad that's going to be targeted towards 750 million Indian people. Right. And I think it's easy as Americans to forget that. And also, the Americans who watch the World Cup are typically wealthier Americans. Yes. 
So that's yeah, a real good bullseye. That's right. It's everyone in Williamsburg. Yeah. Like <laughs> I was in Queens. There's like, what, a million people in Williamsburg? I, did, I don't know. <laughs> I did Queens. There was like a lot of soccer stuff. I was like, this yeah. kind of area where like you, you love soccer either because you're from the country that plays it or you're white and ashamed of being <laughs> white. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you decided the I'm NFL cool? was too violent. Yeah, right. It's like, no, nah, I don't like the concussion stuff. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm going to play soccer. Oh, there's more concussions there? Well, all right. I won't worry about that. Y'all have a beer, Heineken, this, please. <laughs> um, do you have Stella Artois at this bar. Um, but that kind of, yeah, that kind of stuff is. But the 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 way that they figure that out is crazy to me. Like, how are they doing the math? It, it has to come back in these huge returns, like these huge spreadsheets where they're like. I think A-B testing could could solve a lot of it. Just like, yeah. I, uh, I don't know how much I'm willing to be able to say. Someone I know through someone I know was the engineer of like basically the Twitter ads uh, Twitter, okay. Twitter ads. Uh, I bet they've had a wild year. They they did very very well. <laughs> oh no, they they left, sold it, and now work for. Now I have a new company. Oh okay. I'm trying to disguise gotcha. all the yeah, details yeah, sure. of this. But uh, he told me how um how this stuff worked, and it would just basically microsecond processing. Try to look at your information, see which ad uh, it could show you optimally that, you, and it would track. Uh, if you clicked it or not, and it was mm. basically trying to see, show you the ad you're most likely to click. Yeah. And if if that ad was shown, uh, the they would charge the advertiser, right? Mm. So, mm. and if if that ad was clicked, they could charge the advertiser more. Yeah. Um, but basically, running incredible math. Uh, at incredible speeds to do all this without any human thought, just being like, right. this this data, this this history correlates to liking J. Crew, and we show them J. Crew, or this history, yeah. So so doing all those things in microprocesses, and I wonder if the data pulled from that could make them make bigger decisions about, yeah, you know, the banners at soccer Probably. games. I know that's how the stock market works now too. Yes, yeah, high frequency trading, like that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was it's obsessed with that for a while. One of my like, should be banned. Oh, 100%. It's so uh, against everything it all stands for. It's machines with trillions of dollars reacting to people like me putting down a couple grand Mm -hmm. and then going like, all right, well, tweak it just like the the tiniest amount. Sell like one cent of our company share. But my, my favorite fact with that... Is the cables? They did put the cables. Yeah. Yes, where I submitted a Daily Show piece about this uh, as did my you? application. For no it. Yeah. shit, yeah. I I love this. Where like, so explain it. I mean, you know it better than I do. I'm uh, sure. I mean, it's been years. Uh, you can explain it. Okay, it's it's essentially saying like computers are running the stock market. Like they are doing super trades, super computers, yeah. like that the level and golden AI. AI. The yeah. big yeah archives. Yeah. And they're just like every little reaction to all these trillions and trillions of data points is how they tweak up stocks up. And down and try to like figure out when to buy sell and Mike like these are yeah f- fractions of fractions of a second shit, yeah and selling for just like an extra penny or two and just yes. catching when it's going to move two pennies and selling in and out within before you can sneeze right and these are like the companies doing it like it's it's not just like one evil billionaire mm-hmm. who set up a bunch of computers all of they're all doing it it's where most of the profit in the stock market is made is that right oh I'm sure yeah okay like I don't know how it couldn't be right there's so much farther advanced Mm -hmm. than than any one or group of people could be um but essentially and correct me if i'm wrong those micro uh 
transactions happen so fast that the distance the comp- the server is that they're on to the stock market trading floor which is in actually a next to gives it. advantages they based to- on just like trillions of a second that it takes mm-hmm. for the extra thing so they had to put in safeguards on the stock floor so that there was one regulated There's length of cable. There's one regulated because length of cable. Because if the supercomputers were just closer to the wall that was closer right. to the stock exchange, that extra couple feet. And think about the, the I don't know if these are fiber optic cables, because that would be closer to, would that be the speed? Maybe it's, speed of electricity is very, very fast for like human scale. Yeah, but it's but not it the speed of light. Speed. <laughs> I think it's light speed because they're fiber optics. Yeah. Fiber optic would be, I mean, it's not a vacuum, but that would be right. pretty impressive speed. Yeah. So if you're talking about <laughs> the speed of that information traveling through a fiber optic cable, an extra, I don't know, right. 40 feet. If that could, could be give like a massive feet. advantage. Yeah. It could be six feet. And so, it's yeah. like, yep, that's the reason JP Morgan Chase is out doing TD Bank today. Yep. And it's like, yep. <laughs> Oh, they got we're so fucked. Nosebleed seats <laughs> in the in the supercomputer silo. Yeah, uh, that's Let's, why Bitcoin was so much fun for a little while. No computers involved. <laughs> yeah. Um, math. I guess more math. We should go back to generally. Yeah, about. sure. Um, I love it. I've always loved it. Uh, I think the world would be better if more people gave it a chance. Okay. And I think there are flaws in the education. And I, I can only speak for myself that when it's taught properly, it's really fun. But it's also very frustrating, and that's part of the process. Yeah. But if you can push through that frustration, the high is typically worth it. And I think that's that's a very simple statement that, that, that it, if, you, if you're a person who exercises regularly, you know that it sucks to start the workout, but you've also yeah. felt the high at the end of it. And your brain starts to register that Pavlovian ding yeah uh, earlier and earlier and then it becomes pretty easy to go to the gym it sucks for everyone but you start to build the the pathways i think math has a similar thing yeah but i don't know everyone's designed to love it and i know that there's the same way people have dyslexia with reading i'm sure there's a lot of people who have barriers in place for math yeah no my my mom is one of those people it's just like it doesn't click no it's like there's something um which like when I was growing up, she couldn't understand why I was so good at it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, turns out I wasn't that good at it comparatively. But as a kid, mm-hmm. it looked like I was going to be. Um, I like I like what you're saying, though, about being like mostly competent, like at least appreciating it. I don't know. And I like the analogy that you use for working out. I don't know that people are seeing the value in learning math in the same way that for 30 years, like or for longer than that, Americans especially didn't see the value in working out. Mm-hmm. They were like, why Why would I, like it sucks in the beginning and then okay, I get used to it, but like why would I wanna do that? And now like all this science has come out that says like, oh no, you need to work out, it's for all these reasons. And What about the runner's like, high? That's a real well, documented thing. It is, yeah, it's Your hard body to get. senses pain and senses that you're not going to stop feeling that pain. Yeah. So it starts sending out endorphins to block that pain and that comes with it at emotional high. Yeah. So you're, you're saying you need to get the math high. That yeah. is probably what those like top tier mathematicians, like they get into a flow state, right? I mean, when I do problems now, it usually I'm like, don't, don't, don't back out now. Don't stop now because if you, if you get to the end with, and sometimes I'll need a little, very often I'll need a little help, but like, let's minimize the amount of help. This was the thing I learned working in math education. Every problem, okay. it's the exact same algorithm as an RPG. 
So what happens role, is it's a role-playing game, role like playing you're talking game, video like Pokemon, games. Yeah. Where it's very easy to level up. And you're like, oh, this is kind of boring. Oh, I'm a new level. That feels good. Right. Ding, hi. Red right. notification, all that. Oh, I want to I feel that again. And you work a little harder. Ding, hi. But, you know, yeah. now you got to work a little. But every time you space out those intervals and you don't make it too, you make it a little easy at the beginning, but you can't make it too easy. It has to get a little harder, a little harder. Yep. And you kind of basically just, you build a gap. You build a gap that is for them to walk across, and it can't be too easy. There's no satisfaction. It yep. can't be too hard because if it, if you get to the end and you get that ding, but it wasn't worth all the effort you put in. This is why when you do a, a problem set at the end of a chapter, the first couple problems are easy, and then they get harder because right. you want to program that high at the perfect point. Um, what I think is very interesting with between comedy and math is I think comedy and jokes are very similar. Yeah. Jokes. The closest thing I've ever seen to a joke is a riddle, and that there's typically some, and the Seinfeld described it this way, some gap in information mm -hmm. that you are are giving them, um, you're presenting them this gap and then feeding them just the right amount of information to close that gap themselves. Yep. That neural activity, someone, someone called a joke a neural short circuit, taking two pieces of information that don't seem connected and then very quickly blazing a path between them. Yes. Very rapidly. Right. That is a joke to me. And that that's the A to C concept. A to C that's concept. Very basic, which essentially says like you give them one one to what you're saying. You give mm -hmm. them one topic, the comic jumps to something that wasn't the next logical step. Mm -hmm. And then shows them the connection. But yeah, yeah or, or, they piece together what right. happened during B to get to there and it catches them by surprise because they didn't hear what mm -hmm. B was. And I think that thinking that thinking you have to do is really satisfying, and I think that's yeah. where laughter comes from. I think, I think laughter oh, is kind of interesting. Okay, yes. I think you have to, you have to at least. There's some very simple people who just want to hear someone say "get her done," but yeah. like yeah, I yeah, think yeah, a yeah. joke works on that level where you want to, you want to have that. Oh, but you can't make it too hard. No. If you make it too hard to figure out the crowd hates you. Yes, and they groan yep. and like. Oh, that made me feel stupid. Yeah. But it can't be too easy. Then it's an obvious joke. And then that's yep. not fun either. So it's that creating that distance. And Seinfeld talked about, talked about just building, basically building a little gap, a little canyon you have to jump over. Mm. And you, you don't want to be able to step over it. You want to be able to run and land, right? Yeah. Barely. And you don't, you don't want to fall into the canyon. Yep. Too big. So building those gaps and then riddles. I used to do puzzles for my website, uh, Monday Punday, and those were the same thing where I'd watch. Yeah. Has to be hard enough that they get some sense of satisfaction, but not so hard they resent you for making them work. Yeah, Math is very similar. Math problems are very similar. Um, and well, that's kind of why I love jokes. Is they're, they're, Yeah. yeah. Well, and the fun part about jokes is that you can go try it. You can, yes, you could build the gap. Because like it's I feel like if you wrote a, form. if you wrote a, a math problem and you gave it to a bunch of kids and then they all got the one problem wrong, you're kind of like ah, I feel bad that one was too hard. Yeah. I fucked. Sorry guys, I fucked that one up. Well, Which like if you had good teachers growing up, mm -hmm. they would look at that problem and go like Yeah, my bad guys. Right. And then take it off the test. Which yes. Generally, I had with with comedy. You get to go out every night and you can tweak the canyon. We are the ultimate de demographers. We are statisticians. Yeah. We are we are polling. It's, we yes, are, we it's are little A mini B polls. testing every yes. night. Yeah, that is I, and that's why I like love it. That's what I yeah. applied psychology is technically what I applied right. psychology and economics. So it was like creating these these scenarios where I could test people's reactions mm -hmm. to stuff is kind of megalomaniac. Me yeah. what it, how do you Me meg say? Megalomaniacal. megalomaniacal? Yes, yeah. thank you. Um, see, the word gets too big and I can't mm -hmm. do it, but I tried. Um, <laughs> the um, the 
have you thought are you a music person at all no okay no i have no other uh like performance art skills or in i mean I think if I had picked up uh, an instrument, I might have been really into it, but I'm not coordinated. Sure. I probably wouldn't have been a, a very good musician. So um, music theory is is all math in the same way that you're thinking of comedy as all math. Right. Um, it's it's all intervals. It's like what makes Residence, a, a yeah. really what makes a really cool piece of a song is that like it's it's a riff where you're bouncing around notes but it can't sound random it has to sound put together but you're still but you're following the rules of this like and creating uh this thing where people don't know what's going to come next but after they hear it they're like that was the perfect uh that was the perfect interval there um and my favorite or one of my one of my favorite uh through lines between math music and comedy is the rhythm of it Mm -hmm. so like when you've basic music theory most songs are written in four four it's four Mm -hmm. four time just one two three four one over and over and over again and that's that's those are the brackets that you put your your notes in and so um comedy has a rule of threes where if you're telling a joke to someone you have one first beat the second beat and then the third beat is like your ultimate punchline because two is the minimum number to establish a pattern. Exactly. And then so break then the that pattern. third one is where you break the pattern. The or fourth, you accomplish the pattern in a very unexpected way. Yes. But the the overall point of this is that comedy is written in four four time. Most of the time, the fourth beat in that measure is the laughter mm-hmm. of the people. So they are uh... finishing your uh they're finishing your riff for you mm-hmm. with their laughter and so what you need to do to your point is set up those first three beats where you could set up the canyon and get them to the point where they feel like they're a part of what you are creating and filling out the rest of that mm-hmm. measure um what i think I, that yeah. i i just That's think it's cool. so fucking cool that how that all goes together i've never seen that i never thought about that it's the fourth beat the fourth beat. The fourth beat. Um, <laughs> what I love for a book. What I love is a lot of a lot of um, comedians I know are very bad at math, and most mathematicians I know are not very funny. There is no. truly is a link between social skills and mathematical analytical ability. I do think they are Ele- elaborate on antithetical. That. Oh, uh, antithetical. Okay, yeah, I, I think, thought you were going to say they were like they I'm, had these secret social skills that they just didn't know how to use yet. Like they were fucking yeah. a superhero. No, <laughs> no, I do think on some level you can apply that i Mm. think i think i have from my background uh kind of started to understand social skills and entertainment and even charisma that i have to fake on um (laughs) on a mathematical level that it's still just a set of processes and if you it's what's what's the human the human algorithm is a um attempt um observe adjust right is that the three it's, I, um, I haven't heard this before. Yeah, just you try something, you see the results, yep. and then you you try again. Uh, most things can be achieved in that in that way. <laughs> it's very broad. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the there there takes some intuition about exactly how to. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone can do comedy. You can you can learn a lot of ability to do comedy sure. if you just follow that over and over again. But ultimately, you need some intuition about where to go based on the results. And there's always something that separates the top tier from mm-hmm. like I think anybody can do comedy. Anybody mm-hmm. could take a class. 
do a couple of shows, like get a few laughs or whatever. Right. But it, when you're when you're talking about top tier, that's where right. like. But it's amazing know. how far you can go if you just take your ego out because ego, mm. the thing that says I like this joke, it should work, is the thing that tells you. But it's not though, so change something. So what I see yeah. a lot of bad comics doing is just spending years doing jokes that they think are funny and not realizing that it's hitting forty percent mm. of the time, and you need ninety. Yes. You need uh, if if the crowd is more than twenty people and you are not starting the show and they all speak English, you should be aiming yeah. for ninety, yeah, or more. Right. Like, I mean, yes, there are some jokes that are very interesting. You get into like that. That becomes a thing of artistry of like this person bombs in this room, but they're so fun to watch when they connect. Right. Right. right? But like, it's just focus groups. It's uh, I think it, it's really cool to me that I. I was not from an artistic family. I was not from the entertaining people or anyone who encouraged me to be an entertainer. And I think comedy became my interest because it is such an algorithm. You can approach it so algorithmically. Sure. Um, there are there are also people who have approached it very algorithmically with mathematical backgrounds, and they get laughs, and there's nothing else there, and it's garbage, and it's not art, yeah. and it's commerce exclusively. Yeah. But um, that's you, it's fun to watch comics that have a very business and scientific mm -hmm. approach go up on stage mm -hmm. we're like yes that's a well-written joke but mm -hmm. like you sound like a math teacher yeah like okay i appreciate it like i yeah. appreciate that you put that much effort into it but like not gonna show your video to my family right you know <laughs> right and then maybe i still i i still i still think ultimately the brain is an algorithm we talk about math like it's some mm. evil thing we talk about these processes like your brain is just doing a lot of math on like between every neuron i, I don't know how yeah i don't know how neuroscience works but like i don't think there ultimately there will be no difference between your wet brain and a, a big enough computer that simulates it i i i'm a believer in interesting that we are nothing special in this universe that there that we do not there's not really a, a soul that, that this is just our brains seem magical to us because we only exist in them but i think that everything can be explained with math i think that you could simulate a brain with enough technology and you don't yeah. need you don't need uh squishy things you can use i cold metal things i'm gonna push back a little bit cool because i think i think overall you're right Mm -hmm. And this has been Existential Crisis Hour with uh, Matt and Corey. <laughs> um, I do think computers can be, and math can be a little too rigid for brains. In that, like, I don't think brains are connected correctly most of the time. I think 99% of the processes they do, like, makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, like, oh, you have to breathe. Like, okay, that happens at a steady rhythm or your heartbeat happens at a steady rhythm. And those those things are easy to um, simulate. And it's all math because it's your, it's your brain just fitting into mathematically the best thing that's going to keep you alive. Um, yeah. However, and I think this is where math nerds, get tripped up when it comes to social interaction is that human brains don't make logical sense a lot of times like i think like neurons can be connected to each other in a way where like someone who's purely mathematically mathematical or like a computer that's trying to replicate a brain is going to look at that and go like why the fuck would they do that and well, it's I like, think there's an explanation. I don't know. <laughs> it's like something got wired weird when he was a kid. And so now that's just how this person is. Like, sure. And yeah, so I there mean, needs to be a little bit of uh, malleability in these computers 
Yeah, people, you know, I mean, people simulate commit a suicide, brain. right? Right. Yeah, which is yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. against the code of, yes, of our evolutionary exactly. uh, development. Why? Why but, would that person say that about my weight? It's like, well, <laughs> they didn't. They weren't thinking correctly. Like, I think two things though can can corrupt that, which please? is ego, which I already said. Of, yep. Like, you need to believe you're special. I think if 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 the human mind actually comprehended how useless it is, it, it the, 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 the consciousness is only developed because things were, I'm special, I'm important, I need to keep going on, yes. I need to spread my seed, right? And which is- Keeps which us is alive. A, it's an incorrect thought. Yes. Ego that you're special is an incorrect thought. And the only reason it's still alive is because if you didn't have that, life wouldn't continue on. Right. Um, and then I think speed would be the second factor. We, we don't want to do mm. math. We don't have time to calculate. Correct. This isn't actually a threat to us. Or this wasn't about me. Um, and that's why we don't necessarily, that's why we go off instinct and that's why people make really bad mathematical assessments of things because they're like, oh, I don't want to No, this seems like the better option. This seems I'll spend money on this cause it's worth yeah. it. I'm like, no, you just want to make that easy and just put down your money and buy it. And right. I think those two things corrupt it. So I think, I think you could also program a computer to make those mistakes. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I think you could, um, would it be can still considered math then? Or are you just programming an I, infinite number of mistakes? Oh, I, I guess I'm not saying the brain is a perfect mathematical machine. I'm saying all the things that all of the each neuron is affected by its adjacent ones yes. on a purely mathematical process. And if you had enough information, you could predict everything the brain will ever do. So how do we give a computer psychedelics to really fuck up those neurons? <laughs> Just really like get those all scrambled. I thought that's what the dial-up sound was. <laughs> Just the computer tripping out. It was the computer logging in. Just like hard. <laughs> but I'm I'm spiraling out here. I do think it's um, I think it's I think a mathematical understanding of processes isn't this evil thing that we make it out to be. I think yeah, algorithms are cool. I think uh, I think even comedy can be figured out. Um, what, what I think when you talk about people who are mathematically putting it together and then it's just it works, but it's lackluster. I think they're just not zooming out, being like, okay, these jokes work individually. Yeah, have they sound as a set, and then like to sure. me, I, and again, people who are terrible at math can figure these things out. Great artists uh, who find ways of. I think they're just not zooming out, realizing where's the vulnerability, where's the arc of this, yes. how does this show them? And like, I think uh, ultimately your your goal with with comedy and entertainment is to make people feel less alone. Right. Um, and some people can tell a bunch of good jokes and not accomplish that. Right. Yeah. I'm sure they get some nerds that are like, that's how I would write a joke. Yes. And it's like, you know, I'm fascinated by that. Like there's the one thing I've seen in common and myself included of, of people with mathematical backgrounds who get into comedy is a love for puns. And the same with the crowds. When mm, I do engineering yeah. schools, there is an appreciation oh, yeah for how puns are put together. Yeah. I don't know what that is. No. <laughs> I think it's so fascinating that why why do why do mathematicians love puns so much? I, and why do okay. left brains emotional people hate them? Like get angry. My my theory for why engineers hate puns. Hate puns? No, sorry, love, love puns. puns. Yeah. Engineers love puns is because they know it it breaks social norms. They know that it makes other people mad. And so it makes that like engineers are awkward and I've put this together. I've actually thought about this before. After going yeah. to an engineering school, all my friends are coders. They all fucking love puns. puns yeah. They love puns. Guilty. I think it's because they like the idea that it's breaking some social norm. It's going to make people groan because it makes them feel to your point less alone. Like if they're <laughs> doing awkward interactions with people, 
they're like, oh, I'm so awkward. Why do I keep? And they'd shut themselves in their room. They're like, I'm just going to play League of Legends this uh-huh. week. Like all this, but like a pun. That's something that's just socially acceptable enough, but also super awkward at the same time. I feel like you're throwing us under the bus with that, man. <laughs> That's that's I to love, say we have I some active it, cruelty. I'm, I'm a, yeah, no, I I'm a sadist. Just, I like I love watching people squirm. I if think, I did it on purpose, if I did like, it on accident, I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I feel bad. Please I've, love me. <laughs> I've also witnessed engineers not make the puns but enjoy the other people's puns. And oh yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think because they like everyone uh, else around them going, oh, no, no, I disagree. Uh, I think it's um, (laughs) I think humor is a really difficult thing. It's a very um, you have to be very in tune with people's emotions. You have to have the status has to be right. The tone has to be right. It takes, I think, a lot of emotional intelligence to pull off good comedy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of awareness. And those are all yeah, things I was going to say, awareness lack. and intelligence, like, yeah. you're just putting emotion, it together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I think I think most engineers find that very inaccessible. They're typically not mm. very funny people. They don't know how to crack a joke in a big room. Yeah. And there is a procedure for building puns. It is a process that a computer could eventually figure out. So it's the, it's the entry level of jokes. Okay. So they'd be like, this makes sense to me. I don't understand all of your sloppy, wet emotions. Gotcha. But this joke has a format, and I can explain why it's funny. Uh-huh. There's a logical reason that this thing holds dual meaning, and you watch it. That's your A to C. Yeah. Two disconnected things that share nothing in common, right? These two, this phrase interpreted one way means something else, uh, means something this, and then another way, if you flip the, the meaning of two of these words, it means something very different, and that you can see it holds this duality, and you watch okay. it go from A to C. Kind of like a, a seeing eye puzzle. So why do some people hate it? Why do most people hate them? Because it, it lacks, I think, for the emotionally intelligent, the left brain people that I so envy with their, their <laughs> no, ease of understanding. don't envy and, them. Yeah. <laughs> You'd rather um, be in the middle. <laughs> I, I, I find myself on the left just not having that un- understanding of, of like, I watch good drama and I'm like, boo, I don't like <laughs> these emotions that they're so able to express and read. That's oh, the yeah. hardest part. Um, I Ugh. think I think it's ingenuine. A, a pun typically represents a lie. You led mm. them there all with the intention mm. of deceiving them. You were trying to tell them one thing Betrayed and ultimately them. you were hiding another meaning. So it's ingenuine. Instead of making people feel less alone, you've made them feel more alone. I was capable of hiding. Same with misdirection. Mis- uh. So this is misdirection and puns are the lowest level of jokes. Yes. When you watch open micers, it's the first two things yeah, they write yeah, because yeah. they're easy yep. to write and they get a reaction. Not yes. necessarily a laugh, yep. a reaction, but they represent being open micers And some people that have been doing it a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, I still do. I still, I'll do a. They're fun every once in a while. Every once, I use yeah. subtle. I use subtle misdirection to open a joke, and then sometimes I'll close a joke with a big misdirection, but like yep. a long joke, and I'll put puns in, but I'll try to under, you know, kind of underhand them or do them not. So it's I'm I'm definitely not taking you there just to arrive at a pun because then it means yes. you've lied to them. And yep. sometimes lying to them is fun. There are right. good comedians. Sadist. Again, that's very. That's what I'm saying. It's the sadism. <laughs> I have one joke where I do truly relish the uh, the, the 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 anger at it, um, but I I think for emotionally intelligent people it represents a lie and it represents a deception. Okay. I like that, and it's also corny. And there's also the whole thing of the other person's proud of it and they shouldn't be. Uh, sadism. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. I, is I do agree with you. I do agree with you. I don't think I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. I do agree. I do agree with you. I think there's a level of superiority when it comes to social norms. It's the one social. It's the one social interaction where engineers feel like they're on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at an hour. Okay. 
is there anything you wanted to wrap up on? I just like, so I mean, I could talk to, to you forever, but I'd like, I got a hard rule an hour and then you can come back eventually. Okay. Well, um, this was scattered and messy and, um, <laughs> unlike we, we a math talked problem, about honestly. math. Yeah. But I'm glad we closed on the puns thing. Um, watch three blue, one Brown and, um, give, give math a chance. Yeah. Yeah, it, I agree. it doesn't have to be so painful. It can be very, very fun and very satisfying just for its own sake. Yeah, that's all I got to say. I'm going to check it out. Where can people find you? I'm at, at Monday Punday on all platforms. Are you still doing like a, uh, you're pretty, you were doing a lot of stuff on Twitter back when I first met you. Are you still on like posting a ton of tweets and doing the Monday Punday stuff? Still, uh, I haven't posted a Monday Punday in a little while. I got a new okay. batch coming up. Okay. Um, Monday Punday are drawings. I do. I should clarify. They are yeah. pun games. They are. I don't put them in the joke category, but they have okay. elements related to puns. They are an example. Go check that out. MondayPunday.com. It's also an app. Um, it's a picture of a caveman sculpting a vase. You'll be like, what is this? And the answer is a Harry Potter, and it's on you to solve it. So ah, I have about 500 of those online. Um, Love it. And then I stopped tweeting because I kind of OD'd on it during the pandemic. And yeah. then, uh, and I, then I stopped tweeting, and then I got better at stand-up because oh, I stopped. Yeah, I realized that if I did, if I wrote a, if I had a funny idea, my brain would be, say, we'll find a tweet version and get the instant satisfaction versus the incredible amount of work, not incredible amount, but just much more laborious process of fine-tuning a stand-up version of it, Damn. which would be more valuable. Good for take you. Long. So yeah. many people never figure that out. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, I'm getting worse at comedy. when Because I would tweet, like, I was like, tweeted five yeah. jokes today. I wrote, I'm like, none of these work on stage. No. But if you try, I try to do it could. backwards. I try to write a bit, and if I can't get it to work, I'll dissolve it down Good. into a tweet. Good. And it's like, all right, that's a fucking tweet. And yep. then throw it away and never think about it. But I've been more productive with stand-up <laughs> since I stopped tweeting. Okay. Good for you, man. Thanks. That's. I right, wanted so. to be a one-liner comic originally. I think everybody kind of really did. did, and the crowds just did not want it from I me. I think everybody kind of tries that on mm -hmm. a little bit. Because it seems like it's the easiest, and then you realize it's like very fucking hard. You have to be pathetic <laughs> or <laughs> Jeselnik those yeah. are the only people who could do one line that's not true Dion Cole is also like <laughs> yeah. one of the best you got Mitch Hedberg you got like the Mitch Hedberg's like pitiable though yeah that's true Dimitri Martin's a little dork yeah uh, uh, what's his name Steve Wright yeah is uh, yeah. is an absolute weirdo I think You're there right. has to be something quirky about you uh, Jay London like you have to be a bit like off whereas to me i was just like a, a cool 23 year old <laughs> yeah bro you like guys like beer and girls let's go oh we could talk about not having enough confidence in ourselves to realize other people don't want us to be nerdy on stage oh. <laughs> in the next episode um i'm right. still guilty of that all yeah. right oh yeah uh instagram at monday punday find me at Corey t comedy on all social media um and if you're in the city come to ope a comedy show in the east village at ferns every single thursday you're doing it in a couple of weeks hell yeah january 26th um, yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun matt thank you so much for doing this thanks for having a ton me. of fun thank you so much